Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jordan, what can a young guy like yourself learn from watching Kavon play? I'm older than Kavon. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors huddle with me, Bram, and rejoining me after what seems like hell of long, far too many months, the former Golden State beat writer, sports director, and editor for sfbay.ca, where she covered all things Warriors for more than three years, the current 76ers beat writer and expert for the Philadelphia Inquirer, and a woman who has never met a pizza box she wasn't willing to use as a notebook, Miss Sarah Todd. What's going on, Sarah? Not much, Bram. It's glad to be back in the huddle. Yeah, well, you know we love having you. I'm also <laughs> glad to have you back as a member of the waking world. So just to to bring the audience in on the conversation we were just having, I asked Sarah, you know, how you doing? Just an open to the conversation. And she immediately admitted that she hasn't left the house for like three days. What's going on on your side, Sarah? Well, to kind of tell you how the meat is made in the NBA world, uh, when a when a postseason run ends, it's usually the very next morning that teams have their exit interviews. So every single player talks to reporters, and then either that day or the next day, the coach, GM does the same thing. When an elimination game is on the road, that doesn't mean that they're going to wait any longer because NBA teams have these chartered flights. They can leave right after they're done with post-game interviews. Um, but us peasants in the <laughs> journalism world, we have to figure out a way to get from wherever we are to our hometown where we cover the team in like less than 12 hours. And um, as a company woman trying to save some money for the newspaper, I was one of the writers who decided to drive to Toronto from Philadelphia. Oh. So I rented a car and I took the eight and a half hour drive to Toronto. And so when you know post-game interviews are over after Kawhi hits a crazy shot, um, you know we get out of Toronto. We leave about one one thirty in the morning, and the exit interviews start at ten a.m. So without sleeping, we finish the game, and me I'm driving. Two other riders are in the car with me, and I drive directly to the Sixers practice facility. No sleep, and we're there until like almost 5 p.m. that day doing exit interviews. So then I've got to get finished writing that night and be up the next morning to go interview GM and head coach. So there was like three days where I just didn't sleep. And so I think it's very fair that I've spent the last two days not seeing sunlight. <laughs> I have so many follow-up questions, but first let me make a quick admission and it just shows what a self-centered bastard I am. So, but you said, you know, you had to drive from Philadelphia to Toronto and I'm so self-centered. I've never even really driven anywhere in the East because I shouldn't say self-centered. I'm so California centric. If you had told me that drive was 30 minutes, I would have accepted it. When you told me it was eight hours, I was shocked. But uh, here's my first, <laughs> my first follow-up question. Did the other writer drive at all or did you do the full eight hours on your own i did the first 
seven and a half of the eight hours what? on my own. Um, I didn't, the, the other writer slept a little bit, um, but I had kind of anticipated going into the game that night. It was, all right, if they win, then I get to sleep at the hotel. And if they lose, we're going to drive. And so uh, in between like shoot around time and when I had to be at the arena, I took a nap. And so I was the one that was the most well rested, even though that's. Oh, I don't care. I don't care yeah. at all. Um, there, there is a well worn rule. If somebody's riding with, <laughs> if you're going to drive that far, you know what? It is what it is. If you want to drive, you can. They had to at least attempt to stay awake. I would have resented them so much. If they slept at all, I'm turning up the radio hell of loud. I'm pulling down the windows immediately, hoping that it's freezing outside. I mean, I know that you're healthier than I am, but not that much healthier. So I, I think you probably hated them during that drive. Uh, I, I mean, I I wasn't too mad about it. I knew that there was, like, a mission and a goal. It was like, we've got to get to the <laughs> New Jersey, and we have to be there on time. And I don't trust anyone else as much as I trust myself. And you could tell that these guys were tired. And I was like, no, there's no way that I'm letting them behind the wheel right now. Until after they had slept for most of the trip. And then I was like, all right, someone needs to drive. I need to just sit in the back. I can't. I can't sleep because I'm past that. I'm in delirium now, but I just need to not hold the wheel. So <laughs> the last little bit was taken over by someone else. Here's what you don't know, Sarah. I've actually changed the format of the pod. Now we just talk about eight-hour drives, different eight-hour drives and, and the, <laughs> the emotions that it brings up. Uh, I am obviously burying the lead. we got to jump into Warriors, but I will have one last follow-up. The other thing that uh, Sarah shared with me before the mics went hot is that her house currently looks like a hoarding series killer lives there and I love the idea that you added serial killer behind it unless there's like body parts on the ground I'm pretty sure it's just a hoarder but I digress we uh, we have big things to talk about today Sarah I'm all fired up so I'm, I'm always excited to have you needless to say I, I love our shows together and obviously I enjoy our friendship but this week is kind of or this episode is kind of a special day uh, earlier this week you texted me quote can't wait to come on the pod and trash Mark Jackson. So today I'm in particularly excited to see where the hell this thing ends up. But before we get to the Coach Jackson stuff, I need your help. So I've alluded to it. Um, you aren't as crazy as I am, but you have almost the level of neurosis I do. But that's only uh, when you're being honest about your personal life. Professionally, you're always kind of unbiased and even all the things that I am unable to be on this damn podcast. <laughs> so I've got all these Warriors questions, and I need your unbiased mind. And here's the first one. After two games, I, I went to the game last night. I've obviously watched this Portland series super closely. From what I can tell, and I'm being super biased, I'll just say that right up front, but Portland looks both outclassed and maybe more importantly, exhausted. Um, last night, they just seemed gassed. It looked like Lillard maybe running out of, uh, I don't know, out of steam after this unbelievable run. So from my mind, it just looks like they do not have a shot, um, that it's only a matter of time before the Warriors pull this out. Give me a less biased take. Do you think that Portland has an opportunity to win this series? I don't think that there's pretty anyone that thinks that they have a chance to win the series. But <laughs> I also think that the idea that you're saying they're completely outclassed like that is kind of biased. Because if you look at the games, it's not like we're talking about two blowouts here. Like... That was an incredibly close game. Like, it came down, we were all watching kind of on edge in the last minute of that game, um, especially 
that the game two, game one, they kind of pulled ahead there at the end, but um, it's not as wide a margin as you're feeling in your your Warriors baseball heart. <laughs> what is awesome is you phrased that as though I was just being biased, but the way you explained it made me sound like I was just being stupid. You're like, you know, actually, if you look at the score, it was hell of close. Maybe we can convince you to just stay in your house because this is not going so well for me to start off. Um, how about this? So watching it, it, there just doesn't seem to be... A whole lot. I mean, I, I was going to say stakes. That's the wrong word. But as a Warriors fan, I don't feel worried watching these games. Maybe it's because they're coming off the series against Houston. But even last night, they get down 15, and it felt like when I was at the game, like I was, um, I don't know, like I was involved in a bank heist, and I knew the cops were not coming. You know, like I still had to go through the maneuvers, and there's some adrenaline involved, but there wasn't any risk because I knew I was going to win. Are you saying when you watch these games, are do you do you doubt the outcome? come or I mean it sounds like you're agreeing with me you know the Warriors are going to pull this damn thing out yeah it's a little weird because I you know I'm sitting there watching the game and I'm thinking like oh damn like you know Portland might actually come away with this one at the same time as a Warriors fan I think that if I were you and I was like watching the body language of the guys on the court like there was a point in the fourth quarter where Steph sat down for a couple minutes of rest and he did not look concerned at all. And yeah. at that point, I think the Blazers were up by like three. And that's an interesting way to see things, especially when like one of the top players goes out. Is that it's a close game. Often you'll see guys go to the side. They'll be sort of nervous or angry about a play that happened. And, you know, you can tell that they're a little bit on the edge along with everybody else. Sure. But Steph just sat down and was like, the most casual and nonchalant that you could imagine him being. I was like, well, this guy's not worried at all. Like, should anybody else be worried? So I think that it's fair, like, from a fan perspective to think that. But, I mean, the actual reality is, like, they could have lost that game. But I don't think that they're worried. And as far as the series goes, I, I don't think that you should be worried. The Warriors in how many games? Who, who pulls this series out and how long does it take? I wouldn't be surprised if the Blazers were able to win at least one at home and maybe steal one or maybe win both of their uh, home games here, the three and four. Um, But that, but that is like the absolute best that I'm giving them. So Warriors in five, six at best. Here's a random one. If you are Bob Myers and you can only save one of these three going forward, who would you keep on the roster? Kevon Looney, Jordan Bell, or Patrick McCaw? Obviously, he's not there, but for the purpose of this question, let's assume he's still uh, a part of the analysis. Um, well, I recently got to see a little bit of Patrick McCaw stuff, um, so not him. Um, <laughs> and um, I think that it might be Looney. Yeah. Because I... I think that he has taken bigger steps. You can see the growth a little bit more with him. And additionally, if you look at like the roster makeup, you you don't know where you're going to be moving forward with either Boogie and um, like what Bogut's going to be able to continue to produce. And so having a guy like Rooney as a little bit of an insurance policy, I think would be a good idea. Um, and he's very switchable. Uh, 
down in the front court. Right. And so I, I think that I would go with him. And his consistency, right? I mean, Loon just seems yeah. to deliver. It doesn't matter if it's a big moment or a small moment. He just goes out there and does Loon type of things. Whereas Jordan Bell, and I've used this analogy before, but it's almost like the coyote from the Roadrunner. You know, there's all those scenes where the coyote is running over this giant chasm and he can run through the air. Everything's fine until he looks down, realizes the stakes and then down he goes. And it seems like the same thing for Jordan Bell. You know, like when, when he's playing carefree and doesn't care, it's all good. He plays really well. And then to start this year or in occasional moments, he realizes, well, there's some stakes here. And then down he goes, you know, and, and Loon just doesn't have that. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about with Bell. Is like there are these moments and flashes where you think that he's really good, but nobody is going to be surprised if he completely wins. Exactly. No, that's exactly right. What did you think about my falling sound effect during that last analysis? Like, could you hear it? Did you think it really kind of helped the take? I can make it again for you. Ready? Yeah, it was. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, kind of like a, a sad fart, so great. <laughs> you know, it's weird that it actually also doubles as my sad fart sound. So it's amazing. You have a remarkably good ear. Here's, here's, here's an important one, um, and really I need your take on it. Uh, so you know, put on your thinking cap. But for the last couple of weeks, I've been calling C.J. McCollum Hitler mustache because, you know, he seems to be wearing a facial hairstyle that was made popular by Adolf Hitler. But recently I've been getting all this crap. People are saying because he is, in fact, an African-American, I shouldn't be dropping Adolf references. So let me just ask you, am I allowed to cross racial lines to make a Hitler joke? Or what do you think, man? Am I being a little bit ridiculous? Here? I think you're being Come on, it, you can't tell me it doesn't look like a Hitler mustache. It absolutely looks like a Hitler sash, and nobody can tell me otherwise. I like that's fine to say like, oh, he looks like he has a Hitler mustache. But like, if you're calling a guy Hitler sash, I think it's too much. No, I mean that's totally fair, dude. If if I had a Hitler haircut, you could call me Hitler haircut. I think these are just basic rules. If I'm being totally honest. Yeah, but I mean. Technically, like the hipster haircut that like ninety percent of like white dudes have now, like that is like an Aryan race, like Hitler era haircut. But like no one walks around with like, "Hey, Aryan haircut." Like that's not a thing that people are saying. No, like see, it doesn't matter that he might have a Hitler stash. You don't call him Hitler stash. I mean, really, all that shows is that you and I have not hung out enough recently. Because when I walk around the Bay Area now, all I am saying is, "Hey, Aryan haircut," or "What's up, Hitler do?" I mean, it's just left and right, dude. So that is actually factually incorrect. Uh, let me give you another important one. So I mentioned it. I went to the game last night. It was my wife and I. Um, and, and honestly, fan participation in the first half wasn't great. Second half was, but I was going, you know, balls to the wall. This is our last game this season. So effectively my last game at Oracle uh, and, and I've been going to the stadium, you know, for 30 years and I got all nostalgic and weird about it. I don't know if you can have like an emotional relationship with an inanimate object, but I felt weird. And so I overcompensated and I was cheering way too loud. And the first half, there's these three dudes in a suit who are sitting in front of me and you can tell that they are Ah, like morbidly entertained by how loud I'm being. But by the second half, when I'm unleashing my princess bride boo every time that like the opponents are <laughs> on the uh, on the free throw line. They're like genuinely upset. Like they are 
absolutely angry at how loud I'm going. Now, here's my question for you, because you cover the team in, you know, right in the, the heyday of Oracle. So right now, today, 2019, is Oracle Arena still a huge home court advantage? Or do you think the fan base there is no longer what it used to be? I still think it's a huge home court advantage. And uh, I have a lot of takes on what you just said, actually. Uh, Number one, wearing a suit to a game makes me think that you are just a certain type of person. And I am not shocked that they didn't understand the wailings of an actual basketball fan. So, you know, put on a regular t-shirt and go to the game like a normal person, coward. I just, I hate the idea that like someone that's not a part of the front office is showing up in a suit. Like it's not that kind of thing. You don't have to prove that you've got money for a suit right now. It's a basketball game. So I immediately don't like these guys. And the second thing is like, yeah, you've been a fan your entire life. There's no reason that you shouldn't be screaming through the entire game. I am completely on board with you being a mental case through the whole thing. If I were a fan and it was possibly the last time I was going to see them at a certain arena, I would be like that. And even across here, like I'm not a Warriors fan, and I've been gone for what's almost four years now. And I was watching the game last night thinking, like, if this is the last game at Oracle, like... I'm sad that I'm not there because that is where I started my NBA career. I have a lot of memories there. I watched Clay Thompson score 37 points in a quarter in that building. Like, it has things that I'll never forget about my career, and it's sad that I won't be there for the end. So, like, you know. Those guys. Exact. Do you know how much I love that you use the word coward in association with wearing a suit to a basketball game? Like that is that is so fantastic. And also, quick memo to those guys. So in addition to wearing a suit, it, there's three of them, and at least two of the three were on their camera the entire game. They watched the entire game through the lens of their camera. I mean, we're talking like seven minute videos. And I just not only to them, but to anybody, if you're going to a game and you're spending the kind of money now that it requires to get into that goddamn arena. Maybe actually watch it live as opposed to on a screen. I mean, you could watch it at home on a screen. What the hell do you need to take videos for? And incidentally, no one's going to watch a seven-minute video of a game. If they needed to watch a video, they just watch replay. So that was the other thing that really pissed me off. And I may or may not, towards the fourth quarter while I was actually hammered, started having a lot of... Uh, a lot of comments about camera watching directed at those three gentlemen. So I didn't use the word cowards, but uh, if, if I could have, if I had this knowledge, then I would have. Uh, let me ask you this. So I, and I'm sure I know the answer to this, but with the Warriors beating Houston without KD, and now they have won, um, what, three games in a row and three games in one quarter in a row without KD, all the normal stories are starting to pop up. We're starting to hear, you know, is this team better without Durant? It seems ridiculous to me, but what do you think? Are, are the Warriors a better team without Kevin Durant on his roster? No. No. <laughs> that, that's, uh, it's like the same thing when people uh, were speculating where LeBron was going to go before he went to L.A., and there were teams, including the Sixers, where the fans were like, we don't want him here, he's going to ruin everything. It's like, no, if you have the chance to get the best player in the league, you get him because they make people better around them. <laughs> Even if that means that they're old or they might leave. And it's the same thing with KD. It doesn't matter what's happening after this. 
while he's on the team, the team is better for it. They're going to be nice when, and we have seen it this playoff, there will be nights when Steph becomes human and he doesn't have it going. And you need someone like that on the team. And we're just very lucky that Steph somehow turned that switch back on when KD went out. (laughs) Um, Well, you guys are lucky, but it's, it's crazy to me that people would say that. Now, on the same token, though, the Warriors are still great without him. That's yep. not a secret. It wasn't a secret before Kevin Durant went to the Warriors. They were still able to win championship. That's not a that's not a thing that anybody should forget about because they still are incredibly capable without him. But with him, they're even better. You know what's amazing is how schizophrenic I am while watching. So KD goes out, right? We're watching, and at first the Warriors are doing fine, or they've been doing great this entire way through. And most of the time I'm thinking, oh, it's so good to have this team back, and I love the ball movement and Steph in his natural environment. This is perfect. And then they go through, I don't know, like a two-minute stretch where they haven't scored, and by the end of the 120th second, I'm screaming like, we need KD so badly. We're completely <laughs> screwed without him. Nobody can score. So it definitely uh, it flips back and forth. Um, all right. Here is one of the only questions I have for you that has an objective right answer. So I'm hoping you get it right. My question is this. Does Seth Curry have a hateable face? I, I feel like I know that your answer, your answer is yes. You mean the correct answer? You're the type of- do you know the correct answer? Does he have a hateable face? The answer is yes, right? You see that? <laughs> I see exactly where you're going with it. But you're the kind, you're the kind of guy where I remember, oh man, what year was it? When the, um, the Sixers, or no, the Warriors were playing, I think it was the Pelicans, and you were just like, I hate Drew Holiday. I'm like, what? What has Drew Holiday ever done? To <laughs> who do you, who doesn't like, hate Drew Holiday? We all hate Drew Holiday, don't we? <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> it's like you, you're so, and like this is to your credit. You're such a good Warriors fan that it takes absolutely nothing. Blood means nothing to you. Nothing runs thicker than Warriors fandom. Where if any guy is on the other team, you're like, no, fuck that guy. I hate that guy. Okay, I don't, I, I don't you guy. don't you try to filibuster your way out of this question. You go ahead and admit that Seth Curry has a hateable face. I want to hear you admit that. No, he does not have a hateable face. <laughs> Is, I'm not getting on this one. That's exactly the wrong answer, unfortunately, for you. Let me uh, yeah. let me give you another one. This one may be a little bit more open to interpretation. So uh, look at any opponent who's playing the Warriors, and their fans will tell you that the Warriors get the benefit of the doubt from every whistle. Conversely, if you watch any game with a Warriors fan, me included, we are screaming about how Seth or Steph does not get officiated well and that you know the whistles are going the other way, that there's a conspiracy to knock us out. So while you are watching Warriors games, generally speaking, because that's all we can do, which team do you think gets the benefit of the whistle more frequently, the Warriors or their opponents? I think it's pretty even, honestly. Like There are times where I think the... Uh the officiating sways, and there are problems. I'll be the first to say that there are officiating problems. But, um, and there were definitely moments in that Houston series that were a little shaky. But I think that right now, uh, it looks pretty even. It's not that bad. <laughs> if, uh, did that give you enough time to figure out how much you secretly hate Drew Holiday and Seth Curry's face? Like, have you been able to come to kind of realization of that <laughs> yet or no? 
you you want to come back to it and be like, all right, are they punchable now? Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. Because I, mean, I, I know how smart you are, and it's only a matter of time before the facts <laughs> prove themselves. Whatever. We can revisit it down the line if, uh, if that's what you need. Um, you alluded to it. You've obviously been covering the East Coast playoffs. You just finished watching the seven-game war between Toronto and Philly. Uh, tell me about Toronto. Why should Warrior fans be worried about them if they get out of the East? The, the Warriors should be worried about the Bucks. I don't think that Toronto's coming out of this series. Then, then tell um, me, then, then jump right to that. Why? Why should we be worried yeah. about the Bucks? Because Giannis is terrifying, and they have the, the Bucks have the one thing that has kind of been a little bit of a problem for the Warriors this season as dealing with, uh, like, very big athletic guys. Yep. That's been a problem. And, sure. like, even. Even when Boogie was able to play and you still had that strong presence in the paint, <clears throat> it's big guys who stretch the floor that are a big problem for the Warriors. Yeah. And you've got Robin Lopez, who is insane right now. He just had a career night, and all season he's been playing. But he's completely revolutionized his career. And on top of that, Giannis is hes an undefinable player who can he makes problems for any position sure. and th- that's going to be, I think that's going to be the most trouble. If, uh, if Toronto were to come out of this series and face the Warriors, I don't think the Warriors would be as worried as facing the Bucks. I had, and I promise this is going to relate back to, to Johnny's, but I had a client a while back who was into having weird pets. You know, he'd like to have giant pets. And one of the pets he had was literally a baby brown bear. And he said for like two, three years, everything was all good. It was just like having a dog. And then when the bear turned about three years old, they were wrestling and the bear pushed him and the guy flew across the room and into the drywall of the, uh, of the room. And now the bear and the guy look at each other. And for the first time, the bear recognizes its strength, that it was a bear. And my client got out of the room, closed the door, put a bunch of two by fours on it, and then called the animal control people to come and get it. And the reason I'm telling you that is this postseason, this season is Yanni's recognizing that he's a bear. You know, like this whole time we've been kind of like, we recognize what the hell kind of a player he is, and he's been, he's been slowly learning it himself. But now if you watch him, he understands what the hell his strength is. He's much better than anybody else on the court, and for that reason, uh, he does terrify me. What do you think of that bear analogy? Because I was hell of proud of it, but I wasn't sure how I was going to play. Did, did it land? What do you think? I think it landed. I get it in relation to Giannis' game. Um, but I just can't stop thinking about this client of yours. <laughs> and um, do you happen to know by chance, does he wear suits to basketball games? He, he, I, not, only, not, not only does that coward wear suits to basketball games, but he was there <laughs> last night. You have no idea how strange this dude was. At one point, he told me that he wanted to buy a liger, half lion, half tiger. I didn't even know that those damn things existed. Uh, but talk about continuing. <laughs> Go ahead. Are you a liger owner? I am so, I am so mad at this person. Like, <laughs> You're, you, first of all, you own a bear. That's like already questionable. Okay. This, and then step two is you decide I'm going to wrestle this bear. Like, come on. Like, what are you, what, what is your life and what are you doing with it? And then when the bear acts like a bear, he's like, call animal control. This is crazy. Like, are you kidding me? (laughs) 
You know, as I said it, I was worried about that in particular angle of it. I also am a little bit worried about the person who downloaded a podcast entitled whatever the hell it is we're going to call this, you know, a, a look at Warriors Portland and what they learned about instead was the drive between Toronto and Philadelphia and why you shouldn't <laughs> wrestle bears. Uh, so let's get us back to basketball. Um, let's assume that it's Milwaukee who comes out of the East and let's also assume that Kevin Durant does not come back. If it's the Warriors without Durant versus Milwaukee in the finals, who's the favorite in your mind? I mean, I think that the Warriors are still going to be the favorite out of that, but that is going to be very close if it is the case. That's because, you know, no matter how tall or not tall Kevin Durant claims to be, uh, that is one of his strengths is that he adds size and he adds it out on the perimeter. Sure. And that is, uh, without him, the Warriors are not as lengthy as they'd like to be. Well, he's the only human being, I mean, like not just on the Warriors, maybe on the planet, who shares the weird mix of athleticism and size that uh, Yanis does, right? So if they don't have it, how do, you, how do you fight it? But take the other side of that coin. In your mind, then, if Durant is there, are the Warriors heavy favorites against Milwaukee? Hmm. I think I think they're probably still a heavy favorite. I I mean if we're talking about like through Vegas odds, like what are the odds makers yeah. saying? Like I still think they're gonna be a heavy favorite. I think it's gonna be closer than maybe we think it is. Sure. But um the lack of experience and this being the first trip there for the Bucks is going to play into that in a really big way. Do you expect, I should have asked you this earlier, and I'm, I'm tired of the question, but, but you and I haven't discussed it, and I want your take. Kevin Durant, what uh, uniform is he wearing next year? Guess, obviously, but what's your guess? Knicks. Yeah. Why? Just because of the momentum of the story, or what leads you to that? It just feels like with everything that came out and everything that's been, I don't know, I guess speculated on, there's not really a good way to turn around from that. Yeah. And it would it would seem really weird if it turned around and he was like, oh, he's staying with the Warriors for another year. Like, everyone would be very confused. So, um, and I just, I just think that he wants to go to one more place. And it, it gets him a lot closer to home. And I understand that. It's proximity for players when they're on, you know, the latter part of their career playing closer to home is a big thing. It's probably why we're going to see Kawhi go to LA. It's why we'll see KD go to New York. We, you know, LeBron went to LA because that's where he'd moved his family. That's where they wanted to be right. on the back end. It's where we see these guys go sure. near the end. And, uh, Baltimore and New York are in very close proximity. Do you know if there's any truth behind the rumor that Drew Holiday likes to wear suits to basketball games and once don't a bear? Do you know anything about that or no? <laughs> You know, you know what? I did hear that. You did hear that. You picked that up. Okay. Yeah. Well, then yeah. why the hell do you not join me in my hatred for this coward? I'm just telling you that the facts are out there. Uh, Sarah, last question, maybe the most important. Um, I want you to assume that you run and own an NBA team. All right. Bad news. You're oh, looking I already for. I love it. Okay. But you're, you're looking for a coach. You recently just had to fire one. So. Who would you hire as your coach, Mark Jackson or this stapler that is currently sitting on my desk? 
with Saber the Moon that's on your desk. Like, <laughs> I love that stapler so much. He's a good X's and O's guy. <laughs> He's got a hell of a system to run. Obviously, this is just a setup. The, the softball, go for it. Well, how has Mark Jackson been pissing you off? What's up with that text you sent me earlier? I am all ears. I'm all... I've made... N- no secret that I don't like Mark Jackson as a person or as a coach. So that's like not a secret in the world at all. And I'm completely fine with that because I doubt he'll get a coaching job ever again in his career. Let me pause you just for a second. Uh, Most times when you make that distinction, you know, as professionally and personally, you actually say you like them one way or the other. You know, like I don't like him professionally, but I do like him personally. I love that you went out of your way to be like, nope, I don't like him in either arena. Yeah, I just think he's a bad guy, and uh, he, I've been shown nothing to say otherwise, and uh, uh, I mean, he did say that he was praying for me one time on Twitter, but that's fine. Um, uh, he, uh, I, like, number one, he's a, he's a bad announcer. It is not fun to listen to him. Yeah. He's not great at that job. It's crazy to me that he is uh, sitting on the sitting there doing the call while Doris Burke is sideline reporting. That is crazy to me. Uh, that's it is absolutely right. Complete, it is it's unacceptable and irresponsible by our, all parties involved. <laughs> and then the thing that really made me mad is, so during game two, during the broadcast, um, I think that it was Breen that asked, because uh, it was like, Clay Staff, Clay Staff, and he's like, Splash Brothers, do it again. And he's like, who came up with that name, Splash Brothers? Do you know? And at first, Jackson goes, "You know, I, I don't know. I, I think it was a fan." And then he, and then he just doubles down. He goes, "No, you know, I, I know exactly who it was. It was a fan, and what a, you know, a great term that they came up with." And I'm sitting there going, "Dude, it was one of your coworkers." And this story has been told time and time again. It is not like it's not a mystery who it was. It was Brian Witt at Witness on Twitter and he worked for the Warriors. He came up with it and it took off. Like it, it, it takes nothing. It takes nothing and it costs nothing for Mark Jackson to say just like, oh, I don't know. I don't remember. And that would have been fine. And no and one would have been shocked. You know he does remember and you also know that if it was him, he would have immediately been like, oh, that was me. That was absolutely me. Or if he had... Uh, oh, and I thought... He, I thought he was two seconds away from admitting it. Honestly, <laughs> I thought he was going to take credit for it. <laughs> it's my relationship as a viewer of Mark Jackson has completely changed. And it's so, I mean, it, it's kind of amorphous when I look back on it because I mean, he helped the team. There's no question. It's not like he screwed over the Warriors. He, you know, oversaw some really important steps of their development, but somewhere along the line, I've completely turned on this guy. And I was thinking that during some of the telecasts, because before he was the Warriors coach, I remember kind of liking his vocal inflection. You know, I, I, I liked the way it kind of flowed into each other. Now it's grating to me immediately. It doesn't even matter what he's saying. I'm, I'm turned off just when I hear the pitch of his voice. And I can't immediately point to when it flipped, but I can confirm that it has absolutely flipped. And like, he just, he says stuff during the game, like during his call, where I'm like, it's a, like a 12 point game at some point and like the Warriors were in the first half and so the it, at some point the Blazers were down and he goes well you know it's just embarrassing P- Portland didn't come to play it's like what are you 
talking about the scene has been going back and forth. Like, you're not watching the same game that I'm watching. And you're in the building. You're right there. But just, he just is so weird. And, like, let's not forget some of the very weird stuff that he did while he was coaching the work. Like, he got mad. Like, this, this is a man who gets paid millions of dollars, and he was allowed to do whatever he wanted and, you know, whatever. And he got mad at Brian Scalabrini and sent him to the G League to coach because he got mad. <laughs> like, what? Is that like is that how you deal with things? You're like, mm, I don't like you. Go to the G League. <laughs> that's, imagine, that's how I imagine that conversation went. <laughs> Wait, that wasn't – I thought that was Mark Jackson talking. That was you? That was a yeah, flawless Mark Jackson. Oh, my God. I had no idea. No, I mean, like, just the impersonation. Like, the voice was, like, beat for beat flawless. That's really good. Yeah. That's the inflection that you hate. That's exactly right. No, that's why I, I recognized it. It's because I've spent so much time <laughs> hating it. Uh, if you had to guess, so take the stapler out. Do you think he'll get another job? No. I mean, he to this point, he hasn't. And there's, right. a, uh, there's a very good reason. His name sometimes crops up by some pundits or fans will bring him up when people are saying, like, you know, who's going to get this job? And here's a list of coaches. And, like, his name is brought up by everyone except for the people interviewing coaches. So, like, he, he's not a part of that process. <laughs> it sounds like you have as much love for Mark Jackson as I do for Drew Holiday. Um, but let me ask you one final question. Um, on a scale of 10, so 10 being the most punchable, one being the least punchable, how punchable is Seth Curry's face? 10, right? I mean, it, you've had enough time to think this out. Yeah, I've thought about it, and I, I want to let you know that deep down in my heart, you really want to punch that Seth Curry's, Seth Curry's face is not punchable. <laughs> I, you know, I've given you so many chances to get this right, Sarah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's almost as if you're not listening to me. You are awesome, true, every single damn time we do this. I'm not the only one thinking it. I'm sure there's people out there with uh, buds in their ears who'd like to hear way more from you. So where can they go? How can they get more Sarah Todd in their life? You can read my stuff, which is few and far between now that the season is over, on philly.com, or you can follow me on any social media platform at NBA Sarah. <laughs> and you're still on that uh, hoarder.serialkiller.com site as well, right? Is that that's still your work or no? That's my that's my website. It is your site. Okay, I, I wasn't sure about yeah. that. Uh, for <laughs> us, we are on don'townbears.com, uh, don't wear a suit to games.com. We're also on uh, at Warriors Huddle and Warriors Huddle at gmail.com. You want to reach out to us, that's the best place to do it. Go Warriors, and hopefully, we'll see you real soon. Good, good.